Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. In your Bibles this morning, let's go over to Acts chapter 10. Now let me just say this about the subject of redemption. Because we've gone through some teaching, some information, you think, well, how is, how is this relevant to me? Well, you're, you're going to begin to understand more and more. I like what a preacher said years ago. He says, if you see who you be, it will change what you do. Now, that's not really good English, but that's great revelation. You say, what do you mean? Most people are so restricted in their walk with God because they really don't see who they are. They don't see themselves in the light of who they are in Christ. And everything we're teaching from the beginning foundational truths of redemption all the way till we get to the triumphal entry and the, and the offering of His blood on the mercy seat are designed to build in you a brand new identity Amen. where you don't see yourself male or female. You don't see yourself black, white, Asian, or Hispanic. You don't see yourself in any other light than the light of who you are in Christ. And so doing, you will see yourself healed. You will see yourself blessed. You will see everything that God says you are as the reality and the truth of your life. You'll never see yourself as a poor old sinner saved by grace again. You'll see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. You'll never see yourself as sick again. No matter how sick your body may tell you you are, you will never admit to being sick or having sickness. You say, why? Because you are the healed of God. That's what God says about you. And no matter how low your finances get, you will always stand and declare, I am the rich of God, for He took my poverty so that I through Him might be made rich, and my God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory in Christ. That's not what we have. That's who you are. You are the blessed. You are the righteous. You are the healed. You are the delight of God's eye. Now, we taught on uh, uh, the fall. We taught on creation and the fall. We taught on Abraham. We taught on some types and shadows of the old covenant. Uh, We taught on the incarnation for two services. Now, today, we're going to teach for just a few minutes on the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ through redemptive eyes. Everybody say redemptive eyes. Now, Now, denominations and churches will teach on the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and kind of ooh and ah. And, <laughs> one preacher I heard say this. He said, oh, I wish Jesus were alive today. <laughs> I shouted at the radio, he is alive. Amen. And I think a lot of people think that there was just like a, a three and a half year period of time in which, in which God allowed uh, Jesus to walk on the earth and do signs, wonders, and miracles. But in reality, through redemptive eyes, you begin to see some very strong truths that are relevant to you. Now, remember this phrase because it's going to help you from now on through the rest of this teaching. What God did in Christ, He wants to do in every man or woman. Now, let me say that again. What God did in Christ, He wants to do in every man and woman. You say, what do you mean by that? God has supplied a redemptive revelation woven throughout the Word of God that helps you realize God wants to get in you and function through you to the point that you're one more Jesus walking on the earth. Now people say, well, well, He was mightily anointed. Yeah, the Bible says He was anointed. Uh, he had the anointing without measure. And we have it by a measure. 
But the thing is, God wants you functioning in the earth the same way Jesus functioned in the earth when he walked on this earth three and a half years. He was not intimidated by devils. He was not intimidated by bad weather. He had answers for every problem in which there was lack or need needed to be supplied. He took care of every sickness and every disease. Now listen, we, not, we, not, we might not walk in the full extent of that as individuals, but as the body of Christ, we should. You say, why? You bring your part, I bring my part. You bring your part, I bring my part. We bring our parts together and we've got all the parts necessary to produce a manifestation of Jesus right here in our midst. The healing Christ, the saving Christ, the delivering Christ, the Christ that brings joy. I'm telling you, we've got it in the body of Christ. That's why the enemy fights so hard to bring division and strife because he knows if he can do that, he can stifle and cause that anointing not to flow. But I'm telling you, if you ever get two or three gathered together in his name, two or three gathered together in unity, two or three gathered together seeing that which they are in Christ, I guarantee you Jesus will show up and the manifestation of his power will bring great honor and glory to him. Now, Acts chapter 10. I chose this scripture this morning because I think it'll help us understand some things about what actually went on after Jesus was born. And we know after he was born, went into the temple. Uh, that was the day of purification, the day in which he was circumcised, the eighth day. There were two prophets there. Uh, Simeon, what was the other one? Simeon and Anna were in the temple there. Now these were two intercessors. I believe these two had the responsibility on them to pray Jesus into existence, to pray on the earth. You say, why? God always needs people to pray on the earth so he can do something in the earth. Amen. And they, both of them, both of them were very old, both of them were elderly, and God had given both of them a promise that they should see the Lord's Christ. I'm telling you, what, what, what an awesome event that must have been for them. To walk in there and that baby Jesus in Mary's arms and to look in the face of Jesus and think, there he is right there. There is the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. There is the one that Abraham believed for. There is the one that David prophesied about. There is the one that Moses said, he would be a prophet like unto me. He'll bring my people out of sin and bring them into that which I've called them to be. Woo, I guarantee they probably had camp meeting right there. Amen. Then we know after that, we really don't see anything about him at age 12, which would be the traditional time in which the bar mitzvah of Jewish boys took place. He went to the temple with his family at one of the feasts. And the Bible says he remained in the temple and he literally fascinated the teachers of the temple with his wisdom. But in that time, he said something very unique. He said, well, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Now we take that so for granted that the name Father is added to God. But those Jewish people did not call God Father. They called Him Jehovah Jireh. They called Him Jehovah Rapha. They called Him Jehovah Nisi. They called Him Jehovah Sidkenu. They called Him several other redemptive names. But if you were to call God your Father, that would mean you were of the offspring of God. And they knew because of the law which revealed their sin and unrighteousness that they were not the offspring of God. I don't know if anybody paid attention to it, but God put it in the Word. The first time anybody called Him what? Father. He's my heavenly Father. Now notice this, Acts chapter 10, verse 38 said, How God, everybody say God, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power 
who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now this literally describes a three and a half year period in which after the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Jordan River through the ministry of John the Baptist, the anointing, everybody say the anointing. Now, people have asked this question for years. Theologians have asked it. Scholars have asked it. Why have we not seen any documentation of any miracles in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ before the baptism of John? That's an easy question to ask. He was not anointed. But he was Jesus. Yes, he was Jesus. But he was son of man and son of God. I like what one preacher said. I thought it was amazing. He said he was 100% deity and he was also 100% humanity. You say, how, that, how can that be? Only God can do that. And you can't figure that out with your mind. You just have to accept it as being true. But for 30 years, he just lived as a person in the household of Joseph, the eldest son, and the eldest son, after the father dies, was required by Levitical law to stay within the house till his 30th birthday. On his 30th birthday, he left Joseph's home. Joseph had already passed away and went, went to, to paradise where those people went in those days. And Jesus left the home at age 30 and went right to the very place where he knew God was doing something. In that place, he submitted himself to the ministry of John the Baptist and was baptized in the Jordan River and the anointing of God came upon him. Now, it was not until he was anointed that God began to work through him. Everybody say, work through him. Now, a couple of scriptures. Let me, let me get them in order here. Make sure I get them in order. Go to John chapter 14. This will help establish this in your heart. John chapter 14. Look at verse, look at verse 9. Jesus said unto him, Have you been so long with me? Uh, so have you been so long time with you and yet hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou that I'm not in the Father and the Father in me? Now listen, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sakes. Now, here's the key that you must understand. Jesus is three and a half year ministry upon the earth. The purpose of that ministry was to reveal the heart of the Father toward the people. Now let me say that again. It was designed. It was by design. Now, now, when we begin to think about that and we begin to go through the stories of the gospel and begin to think about the stories of the gospel, how they transcended, how they, how they evolved, how they came about, it's amazing. Because literally, Jesus usurped Levitical law. Levitical law established that how we should behave, how we should act. Uh, uh, a priesthood, a bleeding sacrifice, limited access. You did not have access to God. Only those that were anointed by God, the prophet, priest, and king. Nobody else, none of us common folks had any access to God. But all of a sudden, 
this man Jesus, anointed by the Holy Ghost, began to roam the, uh, the dusty streets of the cities and towns around Galilee and Jerusalem and Jericho, and people began to respond to his words. And as they began to respond to his words, faith came to them. And as faith came to them, they acted upon that faith and got miracles. And those miracles revealed the nature of your heavenly Father. Oh, you ought to get excited about that. Because too many people in Christianity preach God as a mean God. Preach God as a God that's out to get you. He'll put cancer on you. He'll put, he'll, he'll put you through the divorce court. He'll put you into bankruptcy. He'll do all this kind of stuff to kind of try to form some kind of piety in you. That's crazy. All that stuff, do is, all that stuff does is hurt you. All that stuff do, does is wear you out. All that stuff does is make you bitter. But you have a heavenly Father that loves you so much, the Bible says He gave His only begotten Son. We'll go into the redemptive sacrifice later, but you've got to understand, in those three and a half years of ministry, He was giving Jesus to the earth, and through Jesus, He was saying, this is what I'm like. This is what I'm like. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. A leper came to him in Matthew chapter 8 and said, Jesus, I know. I know I could you can just hear the, uh, the, 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 you know, kind of just kind of very intimidated to be in his prayer. I know, Jesus, I know you could heal me if you want to. And Jesus said, I will. Right. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is the I will for healing. Yes. The I will for healing. Right there, forever establish. If he'll say, I will to a leper 2,000 years ago, he'll say, I will to you. Amen. No matter what disease attacks your body. Oh my goodness, all of a sudden, that which Jesus said and did becomes the heart of the Father. This is what the Father wants to do. This is the Father's compassion. This is the Father's desire. What is the Father's compassion? What is the Father's desire? He wants to heal your physical body. Say, well, why is it so hard to get healed? It's not hard. We make it hard. We're the ones that make it hard. It's, it's easy to be healed. We're the ones that make it hard. Amen. Then, then there was a woman, the Bible says, she was caught in the very act of adultery by some religious people. Well, that's real, you know, big of them, high of them, to be hiding somewhere, you know, peeking through some window to catch some woman in the act of adultery. And then here they drag her through the streets and they're gathering stones to stone her and they drag her to Jesus. Thank God they did. She'd have probably been stoned in the street. They drag her in front of Jesus and they throw her down in front of Jesus and they talked about what the law said and they talked about what the Levitical law said you should do and Jesus looked up and said, well here, let's do it boys. Let's stone her to death. But here's how we're going to do it. You that has no sin, you can throw the first stone. You say, what was that? That was the compassion of the Father. That's not the words of Jesus. That's the words of the Father. That's not the works of Jesus. That's the works of the Father. Come on, church. He's revealing the love of God through redemptive eyes. We see how much God loves us. He loves us when we fall. He loves us when we fail. He loves us when we're in trouble. He loves us when we need mercy. His compassion is unmeasurable. His love is unmeasurable. And Jesus walked three and a half years manifesting the love of God. And it bumped up against religion. And when it bumped up against religion, it didn't fit. It just didn't fit. You say, what is religion? Religion is the rules and the regulations that are put upon you that if you obey them all, and they always come up with a few more after you've obeyed those, 
that you may somehow, some way, get some kind of attention from God. But Jesus is God reaching down to the world. I like what one preacher said years ago. Jesus is God reaching down to the world and hugging the world. I thought that's pretty good. For God to love the world. People outside the covenant. I mean, he operated in the Abrahamic covenant. He operated in, the, in David's covenant. Uh, remember the woman that was bent over? She said, why should this daughter of Abraham? He, he healed her because of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, people cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. And according to that David's covenant, he would heal them according to that. But then somebody came one time that had no covenant. No covenant. They were half-breeds. They were rejected. There was great prejudice against them, a Syrophoenician woman. She had a daughter possessed by a devil, but she kept standing and standing. She was desperate for an answer, and Jesus gave her an answer like this. It's not me to take the children's bread and cast it under dogs. And she could have turned around and said, he's insulting me again. Those Jewish people are insulting me again. But no, before that, she had been worshiping him. She had been worshiping him. She got on a healing frequency. She got on a deliverance frequency. And she heard the word dogs and bread and children. And she knew if you get those three together, those dogs are going to get a bite. And she said, Lord, I don't need a covenant. All I need is one bite from your word and I'll be healed in Jesus' name. And Jesus stepped right across the dispensational line and he healed her. Cast the devil out of her daughter. Woo, I tell you, God loves you. I said, God loves you. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 had been rejected for 12 years by her own denomination and religion. The Jewish law said you cannot approach the temple. You cannot come to a feast day. If you go out in the street and another Jewish person comes on to you, then you got to tell them away, away, unclean, unclean. Twelve years of that had warped her mind spiritually. But when Jesus healed her physical body, then he turned to her and said, Daughter! Daughter, that's a family name. Daughter, that's a family name. That healed 12 years of religious rejection and brought her right into the family of God. Go in peace. Thy faith has made thee whole. Whoo, glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. I done preached myself happy. <laughs> amen, amen. One more, two more scriptures real quick. How's my, oh, I'm doing good. Go to Matthew. Now notice this, what it says. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32. It says, As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb man spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But, but the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of devils. Now notice this, Jesus didn't even respond to that. Verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, or they were giving up, and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith unto the disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now notice back up in verse 35. He went about all the cities and villages teaching. Everybody say teaching. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Everybody say preaching. 
and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Everybody say teaching, preaching, preaching healing. Now these are the three ingredients or three elements of that which Jesus desires to do within the local church. There needs to be teaching. You say, what is teaching? It is the impartation of information that can open your heart for revelation. Now let me say that again. There, it is an impartation of information that if you are willing to receive it, it will open your heart for revelation. And was what, what once was information on this page, it will become revelation or living in you. We talked about Mary conceiving of the Word of God. That's exactly what it is. As you sit and you hear the Word taught and you're able to get rid of the distractions and you're able to put that mind in neutral and quit trying to figure out God and His greatness and His love and His compassion and you just open yourself up and you say, Be it unto thy servant, be it unto thy child, be it unto, your, be it unto me according to your Word, then the information of the Word of God turns into revelation in your spirit. What was on the page gets in your heart as the living Word. Then the Bible says he went about preaching. Oh, I like good preaching. Amen. Sometimes it does you good if you're a preacher, if you're a teacher, just to get, get on the platform, let the anointing come on you, and just start preaching. I tell you, I've had times when the preach came on me, and I'd start preaching, and I tell you, I didn't know I couldn't find a place to quit. I just kept preaching until the glory would fall. I could tell story after story after story of being in meetings where I would teach on Sunday morning and teach on Sunday night and teach on Monday morning and teach on Monday night and teach on Tuesday morning and then Tuesday night the preach would come on me. And I'd start preaching on Tuesday night and the glory of God would fall and signs and wonders and miracles. You say, what is that? That is God taking this formula of teaching and preaching and bringing it into manifestation. You've got the information, you've got the inspiration, then God says there needs to be a demonstration of what the inspiration and information says. But then the Bible says he was moved with what? Compassion. Now there's a difference between pity and compassion. To pity someone is to look at a situation and be helpless to do anything. I mean, I, I've seen situations in, in life and in places that I've traveled and I thought, oh my goodness. You know, you think if you had a, a billion dollars, you'd just come back and help everybody. And you just pity the plight. But you know, that's not compassion. Compassion is looking at a situation and doing something about it. Compassion is an act of forth. Compassion is where God takes His love and puts it into action. Compassion is all these nations we go to. Compassion is that which we do with our home missions in the, in the, in the Women's Help Center and trying to get these young ladies the testimonies. We'll have to get Sarah up here sometime and tell some of the testimonies that have come out of that Women's Pregnancy Center about how these people that were going to abort these children did not do it and how they've gotten saved and touched and, and ministered to by the power and the anointing of God. It's a great missions work. Amen. In Tanzania with Brother Egan and, and all these different nations we go to. That's the compassion. Say, how can you give away all that money? It's the compassion of God. How can you help but do it? So Pastor Russell, we need to believe, believe God just for millions to build the building. No, I'm believing way beyond that. For millions to go to the world. To raise up churches and Bible schools and orphanages and whatever they need. Why? Because that's the compassion of God meeting the need and the hurt of the people. And then Jesus said after he revealed the compassion of God through teaching and preaching and healing, he said, here's something you got to do. you got to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. He will do what? Now notice that word. 
that he will send forth. You see that word send forth? That's the same terminology that is used when it says to cast out devils. It literally means to take, pull up, and throw out. You say, what do you mean like by that? That God will take people. I'm believing that here at Island Church. We've seen it in a measure. We're going to see it even more. That God will take you, pull you up, and throw you out. You say, what do you mean by that? No, not to some other church, but to a nation somewhere. In which the compassion... People say, I'm so afraid. I don't know if I ought to serve God. If I do, He may call me to Africa. I'd rather be like this. I'd rather be afraid that He wouldn't. That's the right heart toward God. I said, that's the right heart toward God. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. That's why we're teaching on redemption. So you can see yourself as God sees you. And when you see yourself through the compassion of His eyes... You can't help. You can't help it. There's a little lady we know. I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, uh, that lady that goes to Nepal. What? Haskell. Tony. Tony Haskell. She's a little, just a little mom. Just a little mom. That's all she is. She's just a little mom. I've seen her in the Philippines. She's been in our meetings in the Philippines. We see her up at... Up at uh, 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 Pastor Mark, uh, Brzee's church. Just a little mom. That's all she is. That's all she is. She's just a little mom. But she has this compassion for one of the most darkest nations on the planet, Nepal. And she goes to Nepal and lives in Nepal and stays in Nepal and has this big smile on her face everywhere she goes. And she don't worry about money. She don't worry about nothing. She just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And every time I run into her, I am greatly inspired of a person. I don't think she claims to be a prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. I just think she claims to be the compassion of God in Nepal. She's raised up what? Bible schools. Out of those Bible schools have come churches. And God is reaching a dark, dark nation through one little woman who was pulled up and cast out. You know why? She was willing to be. She was willing to be. We've run into people like that all over the world. Sister Redmond, bless her heart. Her husband was killed in a tragic accident, preached in a missions conference. Pastors walked across the street to go to a, 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 a dinner at a restaurant and he lingered talking to some missionaries and he tried to catch up with them and a car ran him down. Sister Redmond was not a preacher. She was not a minister of any kind. She was just a housewife and a pastor's wife for many, many years. And God visited her. Jesus visited her personally in her grief and said to her, I'm going to send you to the hurting woman. Just like you hurt right now, there's women all over this world who are hurting. And I'm going to send you to the hurting women of the world. And we were with her when she launched out. And she was not a preacher. She was had just this quiet little voice. You could barely listen. They had to turn up the mics for her. And she was very intimidated to get up there. And she would just get up there and say, hey, Jesus loves you. And I want to talk to all of the women and tell you how much. And she'd go to these, world, these countries where women were abused. These countries where women were treated like animals. And over the years, she grew in anointing. And she grew in her gifting. And she grew in her power. And next thing you know, she's touching whole nations and healing their women of the hurt that has been put, up, put upon them because of a fallen human race. God picked her up, cast her out. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. He'll send forth laborers into His harvest. It's His harvest. And we've got to realize every one of you have something to do in the kingdom. 
Every one of you. So we're going to teach on tomorrow night. I keep trying to bump over into tomorrow's, tomorrow's message. But every one of you called to the ministry of reconciliation, laying on of hands, ministry of restoration, to be an encourager in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. One more scripture. I'm almost through. You liking this? The earth ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, through redemptive eyes, John, the gospel of John chapter 3. One verse here. We could read the story, but then I'd have to get off into the story and teach on it. So I just want to read the one verse. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus speaking here to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man, or we're going to put this in, we're going to put it in here like this, except a man or a woman be born again, he cannot see, understand, or comprehend the kingdom of God. Now, we're looking at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ through redemptive eyes. And much of what Jesus said in his earth walk, he said very plainly, you can't understand it now. Because he knew they were spiritually dead men. He knew that they had to have a revelation on the inside of them. And he knew he had to die, go to the grave. He had to die, go to the cross, go to the grave, raise from the dead and offer his blood upon the mercy seat before actually men and women would even know what the kingdom of God was. But he began to introduce the concept. Now listen to it. Unless a man or a woman be what? Born again. Now that is the pinnacle of redemption. Because without the new birth, Nothing else that sits under its umbrella is relevant to our lives. You say, what do you mean? Well, you have to be born again to understand the things of the kingdom of God. And the things of the kingdom of God have to do with your healing, your blessing, your, he uh, your prosperity, your peace, your righteousness, your joy. Everything falls under that umbrella of being what? Born again. So Jesus said, you must be born again. Everybody say, born again. Now, I wrote some things down. Redemption came through the act of giving. For God so loved the world, He what? He gave. Now, people always get mad, you know, say, well, you talk about giving too much. You can't talk about giving too much. You say, why? It was the act of redemption. For God so loved the world, He gave something more than money. He gave something more than gold. He gave something more than silver. He gave Himself in the person of His Word, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Now, because of that, this is what he gave. Number one, he gave his word. I'm telling you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct his path. He gave his word. He gave his word all down through the old covenant. He gave his word. He stood by his word. Then his word became flesh and dwelt among us. Everybody say he gave his word. The act of giving. Number two, he gave his blessing. That began with Noah. That, began, came, that came into its fullness with Abraham. That came upon the nation of Israel. His blessing was upon anyone that would adhere to that which he was doing in their dispensation or in their generation or the season in which they lived. If you could do anything to be a part of what he was doing in the earth, then he would give you his blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. Now you say, what is the blessing of God? Does anybody know? The blessing of God is the ability of God to empower you. Now let me say that again. The blessing of God is the ability of God to empower you. Listen, He can empower you to be a good dad and a good husband. 
He can empower you to be a good mom and a good wife. He can empower you to be the best Walmart employee that Walmart has ever seen. He can empower you to be the best business owner that you've ever been. He can empower you to work in the church. He can empower you to be a witness. There's everything, the blessing of God empowers you. Every area of your life, there is an empowerment that God will give you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, He has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We already have it. What we got to do is bring it out of the Spirit and bring it into the natural world and distribute it among people. Amen? Everybody say He gives His blessing. He gives His structure. Now this is, this is something relevant to a lot of the negative things that are going on today, but He puts structure into the family. Can I get a better amen than that? I mean, there is, a, there is a scriptural structure for the family, for the husband, for the wife, for the children, for the way you raise children. There is a structure. Then he took that structure and he put it in a nation. He put it into Israel. And as long as Israel would live according to the structure that God put in there, then literally they were blessed. No enemy could defeat them. They were blessed financially. They were blessed with health. Even when he delivered them out of Egypt and put structure into them, there was resistance against the structure because the enemy knows if I can violate the integrity of the structure, I can bring the whole thing down. And every time he did it in Israel, it brought the whole thing down. But the good news is every time he did it, God would raise up someone who would bring restoration to the structure. Then God sent his son Jesus. And out of Jesus comes what? The church. And in the church, there's structure. You say, why is that structure there? Because there's only the structure that comes from the Word of God that can possess the supernatural the way God wants it to be. The supernatural blessings of God. The supernatural empowerments in which God touches people through the ministry of laying on hands and the gifts of the Spirit. The supernatural ability to preach the gospel and it change men's hearts to where they realize, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and Jesus is the Savior. Amen? Everybody say, He gives us structure. I like this in verse 4. He, I mean, in number 4, He gives us access. Oh, thank God. The Bible says that you and I, just as believers, you don't have to be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You don't have to be some big eye, little you. All you got to do is be a believer. The Bible says you can come boldly. Everybody say, boldly. That word boldly means without guilt, without condemnation, and without a sense of inferiority. Oh, I'd be afraid to go before God. He'd squash me like a bug. No, the Bible says because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain what? Mercy in time of need. Oh, my goodness. I better be careful. I'll start preaching on that. He gave us access. Number five, he gave himself. God gave himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number six, he gave us his nature. The Bible says in 1 Peter that by the precious promises of the Word of God, we are partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is not depressed. It's not addicted. It's not, it's not sick. It's not poor. Now, that doesn't mean the enemy might, might not attack you with it, but it means you have an authority and you have a nature of God Himself to resist anything that is not of God. Amen. Amen. I mean, if somebody come knocking on your door, UPS, FedEx, knocked on your door, had a big box... And they said, I've got a special delivery for you. You say, well, what's in that box? And I hear all kinds of stuff going on. And they pull the lid off and it's 15 big rattlesnakes. Would you say, well, just bring it on in. I guess somebody sent me a bunch of rattlesnakes. What would you do? I'd reject it. 
I'd say this, take it back to where it came from. Amen. See, because of that access and His nature, you have authority. Oh, I better be careful. I'd get off on that. He gives us His nature. And I like this. He gives us His life. You say, what do you mean? You're going to live forever. You have eternal life. Not when you get to heaven. You have it now. I'm telling you, this ain't the last time you're going to see me. 10,000 years from now, a million years from now, I'm still going to be around. Probably be your pastor, amen? So you might as well get used to it. He gives us His life, which is what? Eternal life. Instead of eternal separation from God, which is spiritual death, we have spiritual life, which is eternal union with God. Heaven and earth will pass away. But His Word will never pass away. Number eight. This is all revealed in the Gospels. I'm the vine. You're the branches. This is the most powerful thing that God gives us through redemption as revealed through the earth ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us His position. Can you imagine? You say, what do you mean by that? The Bible says we are risen with Him and seated in heavenly places. That means Jesus, through His redemptive work, when He rose from the dead, the Bible says God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name above every name. The Bible says we are heirs and joint heirs with Him. When you begin to realize that that which Jesus obtained through His redemptive work belongs to you when it comes to position. You say, what do you mean by that? He's risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. And that is your spiritual position. I don't care what the devil tries to tell you. I don't care what religion tries to tell you. I don't care what anybody tries to tell you. You are risen with Him and you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And from your position of victory... Now listen to this. From your position of victory... That's why we're not looking for the victory. Oh Lord, we need the victory. No, we got the victory when He rose from the dead. We got the victory when we were risen with Him and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We got the victory. And God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the position of the firstborn. I'm going to give you the position of the first risen from the dead. Now, you think about this. You go back into the Levitical law. You go back into the laws of the nation of Israel. And it's the firstborn son. It's the firstborn son that has all the rights. It's the firstborn son that has all the privilege. It's the firstborn son that gets the bulk of the inheritance. It's the firstborn. And you're not the, you know, 7,855,336th born. When God sees you through redemptive eyes, He sees you in Christ, the firstborn. I said the firstborn. That means all the inheritance is yours. That means all the blessing is yours. That means all the healing is yours. And Jesus in His earth walk revealed all of this to us. Those eight different principles He revealed to us. We have His nature. Everything is done through giving. The Bible talks about the divine flow of God. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 7. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is the nature of God? The nature of God is the outward flow of everything that comes to you by God finds a way through you to help hurting people. And as that begins to operate and work in your life, that is the joyous life that God talks about living. There's no greater joy than seeing people receive from God through you, through your obedience, through your maturity, 
through your developing into the things that God has for you. There's nothing, no paycheck will be any greater than that. No, no accolades that can be given you, no pat on the back, nothing that you can get on this earth can compare to ministering to somebody and see God do something for them. There's nothing greater than that on this earth. And that's what God did through His Son Jesus and what He wants to do through each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You lift your hands and thank God. He is so good. You're such a good God. We worship you this morning. Here in this house, here in this church, we lift our hands in your presence, in your holiness and in your righteousness. You have accepted us and brought us up into that which you are. Heavenly Father, how can we thank you? We'll be a million years. We'll be 10 million years. We'll be a hundred million years worshiping, glorifying, exalting you. For you've reached down, as, as the psalmist said, into the pit. And you pulled us and you lifted us up. And you set our feet on a rock. And that rock is Christ. And we thank you for that. We have a brand new identity. We have a brand new identity. We're new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new for us. We thank you for it, Father. And fathers, we leave today. Our faith is in your word. You said in your word, no evil would befall us. No plague would come to our dwelling place. You said, Lord, that angels have charge over us. So we thank you as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We are protected. We go back to work this week. A new year begins. We handle the resource you've given us. We work out in the ocean. We work in the medical field. We work up in the oil patch. We work in the refineries. We work in construction. We work in the retail markets. We work in education. We thank you. We're not subject to trauma or terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you for tomorrow night, Lord, that you'll gather us back together. Holy Ghost outpouring that which you're desiring to do in our midst manifested in power and strength. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance that we have as a church, that that which we're attempting to impart and teach will be acted upon. People are out there praying. They're crying out to you, Lord. Send someone. I need help. I need help. Thank you, Father. The door is open. Thank you that we'll be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the devil that torments them will be a miracle in their life. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love to you, towards you. We love you so much. We leave today walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.